Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, Patrick Mayberry came back. If you haven't heard of him, he is a fantastic worship leader, songwriter, doing some incredible stuff. He's just a great guy to talk to. I think there's a lot of wisdom that you're going to get out of this episode. So here we go. Well, I'm Patrick, <laughs> and I currently live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is approximately one hour and 35 minutes from the house I grew up in, <laughs> which my parents, Ronnie and Margaret Mayberry, they still live in that house in good old Cookville. So I'm born and bred Tennessee. I'm a, I am the highest of quality product of what Tennessee can, can do for someone. Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I've been writing, um, for the last couple of years, a whole bunch of songs. And, uh, about two years ago, well, I guess three years ago started, uh, the label that I'm a part of was like, Hey man, what if I was just a writer? They were like, Hey, what if you tried your hand at some artist stuff? And I didn't even know. I felt like the Lord was really stirring up a lot of things in me. I, I'd just been not just, I was a worship pastor for, um, exclusively for about 10 years. And the Lord kind of, I loved writing songs for our church and, uh, that was really important to me. And the Lord just kind of opened up these doors to maybe, I don't know, experiment with writing songs and putting them out to someone else that might like to listen to them. And so about, I guess a little over two years ago, I kind of released my first song uh, or a batch of songs as a quote unquote artist, whatever that means. Um, and it's just been a whirlwind, a ride yeah. of, uh, you know, trying to hear from the Lord, talking to my counselor a lot, figuring out, you know, uh, how to faithfully follow the calling that I feel like God has invited me into without getting upside down in it all and in getting the, the cart before the horse and caring about things that don't matter but this weird quote unquote industry that we're all kind of living in and around, um, you know, just trying to like seek out what really matters. Like what, what does the Lord desire in all of this for his people and the church and uh, yeah, man, doing that, raising four kids, <laughs> living my life. Yeah. I'd love like the, uh... I mean, just to get like real tactical, practical for like generally like worship and creative audience. Yeah. You are you are living the dream for a lot of them, I'm sure. Where it's like, I'm a worship pastor and I want to crack into industry. I want to get my music out there. Maybe yeah. um, what are the pitfalls, foibles maybe to avoid? What are the awesome things that happen? How did you like what what stirred in your heart? Like how how did that happen and, and what might you know, what might you say to somebody who's totally like, I want, I want that. How do I do that? Um, okay. <laughs> keep, keep guiding me as I go, because yeah, <laughs> I could talk about this for, for three, three days. This is great. Um, so number one rule is there's no rules. There's like no rules at all. And I get tripped up all the time in, in honestly, like looking at someone else's kind of track that they're on. And I quickly discourage myself and discredit all the cool things God's doing in my life. So that's rule number one. There's no one way that, you know, that what you just said, that dream can happen. So I was on staff at a church and I loved writing songs and my ambition was <clears throat> Tim just got an awful diagnosis and I would think it would be really cool if we wrote a song that encouraged Tim that he's not alone in this or two other friends were really in a tricky spot with their marriage. <clears throat> and I was like, what would a song look like to write for our friends to let them know that they're facing some really hard stuff, but God is like in that business of facing hard things. 
So I just loved writing songs for our church. And I, I think that's number one. It's like right where you are is like where you can do your best work. And God's put you there for a reason at that church with that pastor in that city. So like crush it and give it your all. And if you want to write songs, write songs for people in your small group. Don't try to write the next big elevation hit song. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? Like, you're you're trying to write a song for the masses. Well, you're going to end up writing a song for nobody. Like, write songs for real people in your church that you actually know and and help them see God in a new way. Like, be their pastor. Like, shepherd them through songwriting. Be their songwriting pastor. Um and and I I believe that wholeheartedly, and I believe that's a little bit of a tricky spot we're in right now with just music and where it is and the worship industry and yeah. you know it's all great and 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 awesome, but ultimately I think the reason that even existed was because people were writing songs for their churches a long time ago, and they they connected with all of us like in a human way because they were written for other humans to connect with God. And it's like, I think about songs that, you know, just really exploded. And it's like they they had this human church connection under them that opened the doors. And And I think it's tricky now when we try to write songs and take them straight to the charts or radio, but there's like no human connection with them. So, um, man, yeah, I I would say... I've just been grinding like, you know, I've been grinding the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, writing songs, being a pastor, trying to work really hard, trying to like meet with like-minded people and figure out like who are people that share this common vision and love for songs for the church and songs that help people have a deeper understanding of who God is and who they are and how those two kind of work together. And yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, ask me, ask me a, another practical question and I'll, <laughs> that was more all up in the air. No, talk. I, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, so to, to kind of work on, like, I love the value of actually like writing songs for somebody in your church versus trying to write it for everybody. Cause like, what is the, that's an Incredibles quote, right? When you're trying to be special, when everybody's special, no one is right. That's the villain from Incredibles. So it's kind of like that. Like if your song's trying to hit everybody, it's for nobody. Um, but maybe like practically, okay, awesome. I want to write songs for my church. How would you organize that? Like, let's get real tactical for just like local, you know, small church worship team. How, how would you start, have them start that? Yeah. So, um, that is uh, a tricky thing. So I, I would say if you've got a heart for songwriting, um, there's no one right way to do it. Um, I think often it's people think, oh, there's a worship guy or girl who plays piano and plays guitar and sings, and they should write these incredible anthems for our church. And I think that is just like one of the many, many ways you can like skin a cat, like, I think if if you like you might lay in bed at night and just have the most epic, beautiful poems or thoughts or you love writing, but you don't have a musical bone in your body or maybe there's people like that on your team. Like I had this drummer one time who was not mute. He, he was a drummer, but he was not like a melody guy. He couldn't sing but he would come up with the most incredible thoughts mm -hmm. and he would like, just like, we kind of opened this door, like relationally, like, dude, you have beautiful thoughts and a beautiful like view of God. Anytime you have a thought, write it in a note and just shoot it to me. And then he would shoot me these notes and, and they were just all these kind of scattered thoughts. And I would like, kind of like look at them from like, okay, how could this like be shaped into a verse or you know, maybe you have people in your church who are, are really strong musicians, but they, they don't have that, like, necessarily, like, how do I format lyrics and stuff? And so, like, the power of partnering and, like, searching out people in your church to help do that. And then, you know, write a song. Like, write a song by yourself. 
or write a song with your friends at church or your other volunteers, people on your team, all those different giftings. And I think you kind of just got to hit the ground and be like, all right, who's out there? Who writes songs? Who, who would be interested in writing songs? What are other resources we could find? Like, I feel like there's so many resources now for, you know, younger songwriters or people who are wanting to develop as songwriters. Like, what are you listening to? What other artists are you liking? What other churches are you liking? What other writers like, you know, format, like look at how they're formatting songs, literally look at the lyrics and be like, okay, this song's about Jesus. And I see that the verse is driving every thought to Jesus. And then the chorus is all about Jesus. And then the bridge is a response to Jesus. Because I think sometimes with young writers, uh, you'll see lyrics and they're also scattered. And I think it's really helpful to like have a strong theme or a title that you're driving every single lyric through. Um, and I, I think that's one thing that like great writers do is like, there's no throwaway lines. They're all leading to like helping the listener connect with this one, usually like a title idea. Um, I think like um, writing as much as you can, like writing by yourself, writing with friends, seek out other churches in your area. That's like, Hey, I think they do music. Maybe that worship pastor would want to hang out and write with me. And you guys do, do a weekly writing session. Um, I think just the power of doing it and not being precious with all of your ideas and being open-handed um, and, and really just having those like sights in mind of like, how is this song actually going to help Jeff at my church who sits in the back row, walks in five minutes late. He's actually dating a new girl because his last marriage didn't end well. And he's coming to church with his girlfriend who loves the church. And he's very skeptical because he's a divorced dude. And he's like, are these people even going to like me? So how is this worship song I'm writing going to help Jeff take a step towards God? And I'm always thinking about those people, like trying to be mindful of the the saints of the church who have been walking with Jesus faithfully for 30 years, but also the people who are in the back row who are like, uh, what is this place? Uh, if they knew about my story, they wouldn't want me here. And so, um, yeah, that's a whole bunch of thoughts, but yeah. Is that helpful? Any of that? Um, I, I was had, muted. Yeah, you, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. You got a um, a song called a million times and yeah. you and you posted recently I think I saw it on James Dukes. Uh he he reposted it and I you like put a um it was just you with like a detuned strat mm -hmm. just playing it by yourself. And I, there was something about that that really i mean i just could not stop watching it it was like something with the guitar tone and how the how you had dropped it you know um and it reminded me i was curious because it reminded me of a song i really like called eyes on fire and i don't know if if oh. if that tone was like inspired by that but like it's an older song um but the tone like it was so haunting you know like that um that guitar tone you had but um, do you, first off, do you have, did you like rec record a whole version of that, of just yeah. you and your guitar? <clears throat> no, man. I, I, it's funny. I, I, I'm really bad at caring about social media. And, and, I, and I honestly, in this day and age, it's really helpful to care about it. So I've been trying to like figure out things like what can I post? And, and I don't just want to post dumb things. I want to post stuff that's like, helpful to people and would hopefully someone might stumble across it who's just scrolling on their phone and be like oh what's this oh what jesus is faithful i want to know more about that so i that's where it came from and i i love that song and uh i literally just like plugged my strat it's funny dude a friend like text me was like dude your video is awesome. What are you running your guitar through? And I was like, I just plugged it into my interface and just use like a little 
plug-in amp um and he's like what i was like yeah and i just you know turned a bunch of knobs and um <clears throat> I, I and then and then i totally recorded it and then totally didn't save the session at all um <laughs> but you know I, I thought like maybe i should go back and like do a recording of that um because i think it's fun and i think so much stuff now is like you know a guy or a gal in an acoustic or a piano and there was just something like that that opened up a whole new kind of vibe with it with doing like an electric thing yeah that's what that's what caught me it was like because i would normally expect you know somebody to just pull out an acoustic guitar and just kind of play a verse and a chorus or whatever but like it immediately I was like, is, can I get, listen to this somewhere? Like, can I get this? Can I buy this? You know, like, dude, it's just, and I think it's, you had it, you you're doing it a lot lower than the album, right? Yeah. 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 Dude, it was just, I don't know, man. It's something that really, like, I, I, I'm probably listened to it like 20 times on repeat. I was like, what man, this, and then it tried, I was trying to remember what it reminded me of. And it reminded me, I finally remembered what song it was that, that, the tone was similar was that, that like detoned like strat sound but um yeah i love that i would love if you if you found that file <laughs> in your trash can and like, like put it yeah. out <laughs> that's so fun well honestly like there's like like i've always like been really drawn to like uh, you know, Jason Upton is like all about that super drenched verb on his vocal. And I've always just felt like that was just like, there was something about it that was just real floaty and worshipful. And I'm, I love like uh, Justin Vernon from Bon Iver and uh, just all the like quirky vocal stuff they do and, and electric guitar stuff. And so I was just, I was just, you know, having fun. So that's awesome, dude. That's so cool that you thought it was cool. I'm always so self-conscious about doing that stuff because, you know, I just pull out my, my iPhone and like, well, I hope this sounds good. I hope people don't think I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, but you know, that's awesome, dude. Thanks for encouraging me. Yeah. Who, who'd you write that song with? Or did you, was it just solo? <laughs> I wrote it with a couple buddies this last um, last summer. Um, uh, a buddy named Andy Cherry and another guy named Heath Balsiglier. Uh And Heath is in uh, Atlanta, and Andy is in like uh, I think he's in Charlotte. I think so. Yes. Um, and we were at this writing retreat. It was the last day of the retreat. And we were all pretty exhausted and we're all about the same age and we've got young kids and we were just talking about life and, you know, kind of the, the ups and downs of life. And, and we were saying like, you know, what would it be like when we're a bunch of old men and we're just sitting on a front porch one day, like, what would it be like to, to kind of like with the, through the, through the like old leather skin and you know, worn out just selves, like our worn out bodies, like kind of attesting to the faithfulness of God, like kind of like we've stood on like the tallest of mountains and we've also been like knocked down to the ground and kind of looking back over life, the one thing that was actually true throughout it all was that God was right there with us and he was faithful through it all. And so that was the heart behind that song. And man, it, it's been such a, uh, it's crazy. You write a song and you think you're writing it for someone else. And then God uses it to like minister to you through a season. And it's just been a, kind of a wild season for my wife and I and our family and just kind of some unexpected turns of health stuff and just life and I think for the longest time I looked for God's faithfulness in these big acts that he would do. Like, you know, God would, you know, just throwing out stuff, move, move some just giant uh, proverbial mountain or part the sea or, you know, all these big epic miracle type things. And I thought that that was the faithfulness of God. And I think what the Lord's been teaching me, like the greatest miracle 
those are amazing miracles. And, and I believe in, in those things and keep, I'll keep praying for those things. But I think what the Lord has been teaching me is like the greatest miracle is actually just the promise of his presence, his faithfulness to never leave us or forsake us. And as a human being, you're absolutely going to walk through awful things where you're like, why? Like, why am I having to walk through this? Why, you know, why is this happening to me? Uh, and, and if, if you're listening to this and that hasn't happened to you, like, <laughs> like in the kindest way, like it, it's going to happen. Like you're going to get a phone call or you're going to get some sort of news. That's just going to literally rock everything that, you know, um, but the good news is, is that I can guarantee you, Jesus will walk with you every step of the way. And I, I can't guarantee It'll end the way you want it to, but Jesus will walk through every second of it with you. So that's that's the whole heart of that song is just cling into Jesus's faithfulness. Man, I'd love. How did to... you get connected? Oh, no, you go ahead, Chris. Let me, yeah, let me get, let me just spring off that. How did <laughs> you get connected to the Charlotte guys like James Duke and Eddie Cherry and all them? Man, I I. I the Lord. Um, so the <laughs> label that, that I got connected with as a writer uh, is called Centricity Music, and they're based in Franklin. And maybe about three years ago, they actually brought James on to be the A&R man for worship music. And that was a big deal because they had never really had exclusively a worship side. And I was just a writer and my heart had always just been for writing songs for the church. And they were like, hey, man, what if you kind of came on as the guinea pig artist and we tried this out? And so James is technically my A&R guy. So it's been awesome. Like he's such a and, and what's cool is I get him to play on all the songs, too. So it's even better. But he's the best. Like he's such a champion for he feels like he's just been such a champion for me and it feels really cool to have a guy like him in my corner and he's so loved and respected by so many people just cause he's such a good dude and really loves people. And I think has a real heart for the Lord and cool music. Um, and so, and I just met Andy through some writing stuff and he's such a good dude. Um, such a talented writer. Well, oh, Ryan. Okay, I just want to make. I was gonna. I mean, to go to go back, you were talking about. I, I really like resonated. I'm sure with Chris too, but like Chris and I both like been doing this for a long time. But both of us had gone through some fairly serious stuff over the past uh, couple years with our families and all that, and totally resonate where you're saying like if you haven't encountered something like that, you will. And like it just, I mean, we're, we're I'm middle aged, you know, but it's like it feels like. When you're 20, it's like, well, I got to figure out how to crack into all the things and make myself as big as I possibly can and like do all these amazing things for the Lord. And then like, it seems like the older you get, the more you're like, man, you know, Jesus is just awesome. I'm glad I got him. Uh, I'm happy that I, I get to spend eternity with him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, could, could you maybe speak a little bit? Uh, how could we encourage these younger, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed worship leaders that are waiting for those things that might come in life to clobber there. Like, how do you, how do you keep your eye eye on the Lord and not get so distracted? Um, Cause the other side of it too, is you can get horribly disenfranchised if you're looking for all these big dreams and don't start seeing them. I mean, that can be its own devastation at some point in your life too, but love to just kind of hear your perspective on that. And if that sparks anything. Yeah. I, you know, a couple of things. Um, it it's i i don't want to be the guy who just quotes scripture but like <laughs> count count it count it all as joy like when you face trials like like it it builds so so much character and it and it reveals character but more than that it builds so much faith and trust and you know i am a uh for anybody who cares about the Enneagram, I'm a seven on the Enneagram and I want to have max fun all the time. My superpowers are like 
incredible optimism and high energy. And, and my, my kind of motto is what I lack in talent, I make up for with enthusiasm. And I'm like, if I can just be energetic enough, then maybe that will cover up for all the other things that I am not good at. But all that to say, 15 years ago, I was a whole lot of fun. Now, 15 years later, after walking through a lot of hard seasons and just doing some work with the Lord, I can safely say I am still an incredibly fun dude, but I've got some serious depth and some serious miles like under the hood with following the Lord and trying to like live a life of faith and figure out what it looks like to have faith and follow Jesus. And it is such a deeper, richer place. And it only, it, sadly, it, it only comes with experience and time. So if you're 20, don't rush it. Um, just live your life. Enjoy life. Don't take it so serious. Like you're not in a hurry. God's timing is like perfect. You're not missing anything. Like, I don't, I, I, call me crazy, but I, I don't think we should have any regrets when we follow Jesus because I don't, I don't really think there's missed opportunities because I trust that God's guiding my steps. And so, you know, I kind of wish that I knew what is, it's a good quote. I wish that I knew now. I wish, how's that quote? I wish that I, Knew, knew knew what I knew which yeah, yeah. what we got it we are everyone knows where you I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger wouldn't <laughs> that be nice um but you know for young whippersnappers like just like be really faithful like right where you are be as faithful and as hardworking as you can be and be really kind to the people above you and the people below you. And, and that is what, that's what the Lord is asking you to do. Um, and then if, if, if he wants other doors to open, like he's going to open them and you just keep showing up, work hard, be really intentional and the Lord will take care of the rest. Yeah, that's good. I'd love to hear too, as you've got some miles in there, how, um, how did you discern when God was moving you into various seasons? Um, first, like, especially like working in church, it can be easy to get frustrated in church. There's always times to be frustrated. Average tenure of a worship leader. I think it's even worse now past COVID something like two years, a worship leader is going to go Ooh. find another job, <laughs> but I think it's even less yeah. than that now. But like how, having been through some transitions, like how do you go about discerning, you know, is this me that's just wanting to, go for grass is greener is it the lord shutting the door on me is it the lord kicking me out a window but how do you figure that out yeah you know i, I think this is all my perspective and for some it may be different but i think like slow is the key i don't think you want to blow up your life overnight um i think obviously hearing from the lord and for me, it's been like, okay, I really think the Lord's saying this. And then I got to get the courage to talk to my wife about it. And then I invite her into it. And then we just pray and we talk. And maybe there's a really close group of friends or one or two people that we share with. And we're like, hey, here's what we're thinking. We feel God is saying this. Are we crazy? Does this seem off to you? And then take all those things into account. And then maybe it's walking, like when you feel really good about all that, walking into your pastor's office or no, actually it's fine. However your relationship is with your leadership, maybe it's walking into their office. Maybe it's making a meeting, setting a time. And, and I would just invite them into the conversation. Like, Hey, you jumped out on a limb to be the pastor of this thing or to start this thing at some point. What was that like for you? What were you feeling? Like, was it scary? Like what, what made you so sure? And then like 
they're probably going to be like, well, this, this, this. I remember those days. Why? What's up? And you can say, well, I don't know. But for the last six months, I feel like God's been saying this thing. And I just keep saying, okay, God, you got to show me. And then begin that conversation. I think like jump into where you think the grass is greener because you think it's going to get you somewhere quicker, faster, higher. And then being like, I'm out. Like you've been good to me here, but I'm out of here. I'm moving on to the bigger leagues. Like, like don't do that. Like don't do that. Like God has you at that church for a reason. So this is not a new line, but like leave really flipping well. Like if, if the, if the stat you just gave of like worship leaders tenure is at a church for two years, like, like beat that. Like, why, why are you even taking the job? Like, is it the lead pastor drives you crazy or you thought it was going to be one thing and it's not like, I don't know. Like, what are your motives? What, what did you think it was going to be on day one? And like, but yeah, I don't know. I just, that's a, that's, that stinks. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I'm just not a, I'm not one to take a gig or take a job. And that's just me. And I realized that I'm not knocking anyone who does, but you, you gotta have some skin in the game and some serious, like wholehearted calling that, what if God's calling me to like really shepherd these people for a while? I don't know. Maybe that's holding it like too tight, but yeah, that's just how, that's how I roll. So man, I don't know, man. It, it's just, <laughs> it's the church dude. Like, I it's don't know. Idiot. Yeah. I was just digging into, I was like, I'm going to verify these stats while we're talking. And yeah, it's one to two years. It's just, it's, it's, it's the bride of Christ and it's the people of it's, it's, it's just the people. So like, if, I don't know if you're signing up for a job because they've got big ambitions and they want to build some state of the art facility with an epic PA and a massive led wall. And you're going to get to lead these epic songs and start writing a record. And they're going to partner with a label and you're going to write songs and that's your whole reason. Like that's it. Like you, I don't know. I'm like, don't do it. Please don't do it. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know. Off the record. If if that's too <laughs> harsh, like, no, I mean, don't put, don't put that in the thing, but yeah, I mean, well, I, think I don't know. A, I was just gonna say, I think it's a reality. Um, I mean, I don't know what the answer would be. I'm just kind of thinking like, I wonder what it is that, uh, and I guess maybe it, it is that everybody's kind of chasing maybe getting into the industry, maybe, I mean, social media has made it hard where every even senior pastor is like trying to get their quotable clips to go. And so it's just, it's become this big rat race among all the churches to just be kind of like, I guess, content generators and try to like make some sort of a, a significance on the internet um, versus a significance in their community. And it's just, I, totally, not, man. not really asking. I was just like, that's just kind of where we're at. And <laughs> it'd be nice to get out of that. <laughs> And it's like sneaky too. Like, yeah, I want to grow my platform so more people can hear these truths I'm writing about the Lord. Yeah. And then that's like pure and honest. But then I get really upside down with like, oh, why isn't my platform growing? And this person's is, I need to start doing this or it makes me get bitter towards them or it makes me get discouraged with what God's doing in my thing, in my ministry. And it makes me discredit. Like, you know, I'll get like some crazy text from someone or a a message on Instagram. that's like, Oh my gosh, I heard this song and I sat in my car and cried because I didn't know that God wasn't mad at me. And I read that and I'm like, yeah, but I don't have more followers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what, 
you know, that's definitely work that I need to do in myself, but, but it's just a tricky, it's a tricky time that we live yeah. in mixing success and popularity and the music industry all with church and commerce and yeah weird yeah and and i i am very much navigating it all myself and sure am am doing a terrible job at it by the way <laughs> i doubt that well what's, i'm just I'm curious saying, what's, I, I, go ahead what's one piece of advice you something i hear a lot and um probably too much is God has called me. I feel like God's calling me to Nashville. I feel like that's very like trendy, you know, recently. What's a, like a piece of advice you would give to like a young, uh, let's say vocalist that, that says that, like, I feel like God's calling me to Nashville. I mean, I'd say, come on. <laughs> that's my response i'm like okay let's go like the more the merrier um i i have no like if if the lord's like moving you then you gotta do it that's what i would say i honestly i listen like so i grew up here and and when i got married we moved to Nashville and lived in Nashville for probably four years. And then the Lord uh, opened a door for us in Chicago and we moved uh, to Chicago and I was on staff at a church there for 10 years. And then we moved to Franklin and we've been here three. So, I mean, that was my story five years ago. I felt the Lord being like, you know, I'd kind of started partnering with this label and um, you know, I really felt as crazy as this sounds. I felt like the Lord was like, dude, I want you to play a part in what the church sounds like and how the church views me when they sing about me. And, and then this is all over the matter of, of a year or two that I was just really praying and, investigating and asking God, like, okay, what's this look like it, you know? And then I honestly was listening to a podcast with Ryan Tedder, who is, you know, from um, one Republic and has written massive, massive, massive songs for pop world and every pop person. And he said, um, if you are wanting to be in the pop industry as a songwriter or producer, and you're not living in LA or London, I think, or maybe New York. He was like, you need to move there tomorrow. And I remember hearing that and feeling like God was really like giving me this like invitation of like, no, I want you to like, like help write some songs that are going to help inform people about who I am and also who I'm not. And I, I just remember feeling so compelled, like, okay, Nashville kind of is this music city capital for the, the kind of worship Christian world. Like, wh whether you like it or not, the, 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 the river that is worship music flows through Nashville at some point along the way. Uh, it's just the way it is today. It may not always be like that. Um, it may be somewhere on the other side of the world, but right now it is, I think it is Nashville. And I think, I think we would all agree on that. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I want to be there and I want to rub shoulders with fellow artists and fellow thinkers and, and fellow worship pastors and producers and writers and, people at labels who deeply care about the church and care about these songs. And, and I want to like, you know, do life around them. And maybe, you know, for a while I thought maybe God just wants me to encourage other writers who are in the writer's rooms and, 
you know, just remind them like, man, you're really doing great work and it is impacting the world. Please keep going. Like, how's your life? How are things like, so I don't know what it looks. I, I don't know that you'll move here and you're all of a sudden going to become some big star. You might just be a really nice person who volunteers at your church for a long time and is a massive gift to the worship pastor or could be a myriad of things. Or I don't know, like you could write the next greatest song that I want to lead next Sunday at my church. Like I, I say, if God's calling you, then make sure you do it the right way and then do it. The same if somebody was calling somebody to move to the other side of the world and serve in a third world country, like do it, man. Or don't That's do cool. it. I, I've... <laughs> or, or, or don't do it, but you're going to miss out on something really neat that the Lord would love to do in your life. Yeah. Hmm. That's a cool perspective. I've, I've asked that question to so many people and, that you get the, I mean, the hugest range of answers from people that are bitter, people that are like, don't try it, you know, it's going to eat you up and spit you out, you know, like, um, but, you know, people, I, I just hear from worship leaders all the time. They're like, I'm thinking about new, moving to Nashville and depending on who they talk to, they either get discouraged or encouraged. So that was a cool, yeah. it was cool to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, and, and I, I think there's no guarantees, like, you know, you got to work about 17 different jobs um, right, to pull it all off. So, you know, I, I there's no guarantee of glory or success, but if you're following the Lord, there is a guarantee that he's going to do something in you and through you. I just, I don't know what that is. And honestly, you don't either until you take a step and then take the next step and then take the next step and the next step. And yeah. about 15 bajillion steps later, you're like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't know that's where it was leading when I took the first step eight years ago. Yeah. What's, um? what are you doing? I guess just... I get to go to go practically again. Like what, what's, what are you doing to just foster your relationship with the Lord? Love to hear. I always love hearing like everybody's rhythms. Some are very much like first thing in the morning, I do my devotion, you know, like not everybody says that, but some do say that, but I just love to hear. What are you, what are you doing to keep God central to all the stuff? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I am, I am the worst at disciplines. Um, and I actually, um, when I lived in Chicago, visited a, um, a really old, uh, really large Catholic church. Uh, and I remember going like I'd never been, and I was so moved by how, uh, emotionless it was and how disciplined it was. And I was like, wow, this is the opposite of my life and, and the opposite of my church experience. And I remember thinking, like, I, I felt like the Lord was like, how cool is it that you show up every, like, you know, however often and you do these practices and in seasons of plenty or in seasons of drought, like you're still showing up. And I was like, God, I need, I need more of that in my life. Like, cause there are definitely seasons when you're feeling it and seasons when you're not. So I think honestly, for me, that has become a huge gift learning that there's seasons when you're feeling it and seasons when you're not. Hmm. And, and knowing that that's not going to always, that's not going to last like seasons where I feel so close to the Lord. I, 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 I know, like, again, this is my perspective, but I definitely have seasons where I don't feel close, but I, I remind myself like, okay, this is a season and it's going to come back around. And, you know, I think 
just practicing like I, I'm a sucker. I love listening to worship music. Like I love it. I, I've been on a kick right now with nineties worship. Like I missed a lot of that in the nineties. Uh okay. I missed it all in the nineties. I, I didn't learn about worship music till I was in college and that was like two thousand six, two thousand seven. And yeah. um <clears throat> So I've just been like, I've been listening to this old Michael W. Smith album where it's like Agnes Day. His early and stuff. <laughs> it's just, it stands up. Here's what I found. And it, it, well, it's just amazing. Like, it just feels so like, in the, it, I don't mean this as an insult at all. It feels underthought. It, uh, not, I'm talking, not talking about that record, but I'm just talking about worship music. Then it just felt like, they weren't sitting in a room trying to craft the most mind blowing lyric. Mm. And it just like, it felt natural and good and simple. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I think, I think we could stand to get back to that a little bit or a lot. Yeah. Um, um, so I love to listen to worship music. Um, I found like having like a daily devotional, like a book or something is actually really helpful for me. Um, whether it's like sitting, you know, scattered out through the house, like it's sitting on the dining room table, or maybe it's in the men's lounge, if you know what I'm saying, the men's lounge, um, that's the facilities. Um, but just something that you grab and like, or, or, you know, just something that it's like, well, at least there's something, but then there's also seasons where it's like, maybe I'm reading through a book or a study that feels a little more guided. Um, also, like, this is, uh, like, the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, like, just read your Bible occasionally is a great idea. Another thing is, like, if you're a worship leader, I, I dare you, if you're not already, just sit in the service and listen to the pastor. Like, My, right. I, I actually sit through both services because I actually get something the second time that I didn't the first. And I just really enjoy like where i'm going to church and i love like <laughs> like it's just great like i sit one by myself and then i sit one with my wife and um yeah those are just some simple practical things yeah no that's fantastic i love the like 90s worship like i i mean i was aware of it because i was young and living in it and my parents were doing like contemporary church services in the 90s and i'd super resonate like there is something about like a lack of like craftiness to it or something. And I totally, I, I had the opportunity to talk to, um, what was his name? Rick founds, I think was his name wrote, Lord, I lift your name on high. And he was telling me that he was reading a science book in the facility, ironically about how uh, water uh, has is like precipitated to the clouds and then falls down into like the lake and then evaporates back up into the sky so heaven to earth you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross from the cross to the grave he was like literally it's precipitation i'm like what the heck no <laughs> it way was, it was my first life like it would have been 10 or 15 years ago but yeah i mean that just like did you, i mean you worded it perfectly i mean that it that is a it, it seems like people aren't writing like that necessarily now and like that's such a wonderful song still i'm sure it is charting somewhere on ccli maybe pretty down there but i'm sure some churches yeah. are still doing that song and he's like, yeah, it was just precipitation's cool. So I wrote that about Jesus. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. <laughs> Dude. I, and, you know, the whole songwriting thing, like, it's also just like, there's just so much right now, which is, it's not a bad thing. Like, let's go. Like, the Lord will, you know, filter out what needs to be filtered out. And, you know, I, you know he could he could filter out all the things i'm doing for all i know like um I, but i do think there are some we're we're in an interesting season of just industry and in church and you know even just figuring out like writing songs and then like oh i wonder how this would go at radio it's like oh like i don't i literally said to somebody today i was like I don't want to ever say that again because mm. I don't want to filter. I don't want to filter what the Lord might be leading us to write in a song with, Oh, I wonder how this would go at radio. 
or I don't know if that'd work at radio, which I right. love radio. Ra sure. Radio's blown my mind, actually. Like, yeah. I uh, I didn't know much about Christian radio, and like, it is literally like I, I'm I'm writing songs that I really believe in, like that I really love, and that I feel like, man, I hope this song could help somebody. And then all of a sudden, someone's driving in their car. And they accidentally turn the dial wrong and my songs on, on the radio in their car. And it's like saying like, you know, God likes you. He's not mad at you. And mm. I'm like, that's awesome. Are you kidding me? So I'm like a massive fan of Christian radio in, in the ministry. Like it is ministry. Um, so I, I don't say that in any sort of condescending way, but I do think there are some like, stipulations that can come into the filtering process in songwriting that you know that's a whole yeah. new world that we're all kind of living in a little bit yeah yeah final question um wide leg boot cut or skinny oh man i, I you know i'm kind of all of them right now wait what wide leg boot cut or skinny can we just talk about like bootcut jeans and how epic that was for a while? <laughs> and I mean, just a little flair. No, man, I, uh, I'm, you know, I just love a good pair of nice, like black, but you've washed them about five times. So they're a little faded skinny jeans Yeah, with like, with a good pair of boots, like, I feel like I'm like ready for the day, but I will say I've gotten really into like comfy pants. Like those are like your hard pants, you know, but, but I've gotten into like, it took, I never thought I would see the day, but like some nice, like straight leg, they're not real wide, but they're straight like jeans or pants. And the move is you just to give them a little style, you just cut them off like right above the ankles. And it's the best. I mean, just comfy. Because, you know, you wear a pair of skinny jeans. You're not going to be kicking the soccer ball with your kids out in the back. Mm -hmm. But you've got on a nice, comfy pair of relaxed jeans or relaxed pants all day. I'll, be, I'll lead worship in them. That's a big deal. I haven't got, <laughs> like, what do you guys think about shorts on stage leading worship? Can you do it or can you not? Uh, I mean, I can't. I can't stand seeing thighs. <laughs> I think I. I think the only time you can permissibly do it is when you're at like a beach camp. Yeah, or you're. Other than that, band. yes. Which I. I didn't even know. Like, I'd never been to a metal show, and I went to a metal show like a year ago, and it's like they're all wearing shorts. Yeah, and they're just like. Rah, 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 rah. I was so like frightened. My my background is like hippie jam bands, like Grateful Dead, Fish, Widespread Panic. So there's not a lot of yelling and like beating each other up. It's more like all the things that I did before I knew Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. As always, head on over to Instagram, shoot us a DM. We love connecting with people. God bless you today.